بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so we continue today this is lesson number 8 in our series on uh, the good life al-hayatu tayyibah uh, the good life is explained in the quran and the sunnah in the previous lesson we looked at some verses in the quran which speak of uh, the word tayyib and tuba and the various connotations the various meanings that this word carries and how it has been presented in the various verses of the quran and we finished by a nice uh, passage from ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah who outlined for us in, in in a nice way what it means to have a good life and what it means to be tayyib what it means to be tayyib and in today's lesson inshallah we're going to continue looking at how the mufassirun the commentators of the quran how they have looked at all of these verses and specific verses as well that speak of a good life how they have explained what this means what what does it specifically mean to have a good life what is it defined by what is it characterized by to have a good life how does a believer know that he is having a good life so we're going we're going to look inshallah at some of these meanings there are three or four uh, main meanings uh, that the mufassirun have basically pointed out but before we go there inshallah ta'ala we want to understand one thing first which is that in the quran Allah Zawjal has mentioned to us that man has been created and he has been put into a life of toil, a life of struggle. As Allah Zawjal he says, لَقَدْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ We have indeed created man into toil, meaning into struggle. So he is basically in, in hardship, in difficulty in the life of this world and um, this is the meaning that has been uh, given by Ibn Abbas and Sa'id ibn Jubair and Ikrimah and Qatada and others that it means that he is in uh, hardship, mashaqqa, difficulty, uh, toil, struggle in his worldly life and from Al-Hasan he said that this means that he is, you know, he constantly struggles with the hardships and the constraints, the constraints of this world, and likewise the hardships of the hereafter. And similarly, Ibn Qutaybah, rahimahullah, he said that man is in shidda, hardship, and muqabadatil uh, umur. Again, constraints and difficulties in the affairs of this world. And Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, 
he also says that Al-Tabari, he preferred the view that this verse, لَقَدْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ This refers to, again, difficulty in, in the affairs of, of life and the affairs of the world. And in this respect, Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, he has a very nice passage explaining how the whole of a person's life from beginning to end is full of hardship and difficulty and pain and suffering. So Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, in, in, in this small passage, he says that right at the beginning of life, the first hardship that a newborn has to go through is the cutting of the umbilical cord. In fact, even before that, when you, know, when you, when you are delivered, uh, this is a hardship, right? And then your umbilical cord is cut. And then what happens is that you, you know, as, as you're a, a baby, you are wrapped, uh, you know, tightly, which you have to, you have to bear the hardships of that. You have to be made to wear, like what he alludes to, nappies and things of that nature. Um, you then have to go through the suckling, the hardships of being breastfed, and, you know, the irritations and all of the, the, the problems to do with that. And, you know, if, if, a, if, a, if a baby doesn't receive its feed, you know, it starts crying and wailing, and, and so it has to go through those kind of difficulties. Similarly, when the teeth start appearing, when the child starts teething and the pain, and obviously as a mother and parents, you, you, know, you, you know exactly, you, you can, you can, because it um, irritates you as well, meaning that it, it, it gives you sleepless nights and so on and so forth. And then, after, is, after that is the period of weaning, when you take him off the breast milk, and this also is a time of great hardship for the, for the actual, uh, for the baby. And after this, there are other things which might occur before or after. There's circumcision. There are, you know, illnesses that a, that a baby can go through. There are, you know, uh, times and periods of, of uh, grief or sadness or, you know, being down and things of that nature. Then, as he grows older, he has to go through other stages in his life. Um, from them is that through his life, his early part of his life, he has a muallim, a teacher, a muaddib, one who teaches him manners. Because parents would send their children to be taught manners. And there will be an ustad, a teacher. So, with each of these categories of people, a muallim, muaddib, ustad, there are hardships and difficulties that go alongside that for, for a child, right? And then after this, as he grows older, he has to then pay attention to, to marriage and, you know, children and a family. And then obviously if you are certain, in certain parts of the country or if you lived back then, then you would have like, you know, servants and things of that nature and how you deal with them, how you interact with them. And then building a home, uh, you know, construction, because in those days you, you had to physically build your own home. I guess nowadays it's basically you have to earn to, to purchase a home. Um, and then eventually you, you reach old age and maybe senility and you find it hard to move. And 
you know, you basically go through many, many hardships and calamities in all of that uh, period. In between all of that, there's other things, there's illnesses, you know, there are headaches, there are earaches, there are, you know, toothaches, there are, you name it, every type of pain, you know, sore feet, you know, sore hands, um, pain in the stomach, pain in the chest. Throughout your whole of your life, you will experience all of these types of pains in different stages, sore eyes, um, maybe being uh, engrossed in debt, um, and uh, you know toothaches and everything. All of these things, you know, people experience. Likewise, being put to trial in terms of wealth and in terms of life. Possibly, some people be even even beaten or imprisoned. And so, in other words, there isn't a day in his life, as as Al Qurtubi says, except that there is some something of hardship to be found therein. And eventually, after all of this, what happens? You die. So all of this hardship from the moment you, 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 you enter the world to the end, you know, to, it, this hardship continues and then there's death. And then after death, you know, there is obviously being buried and the questioning of the angels and then the compression of the grave and then the darkness of the grave and then the trials of the grave. Then there's resurrection and, and the trials of standing. So as you can see, you know, all of this is and eventually it's either paradise or hellfire. So this is what Al-Qurtubi uh, has said, Rahimullah, and this is basically an explanation of the verse, لَقَدْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي kabad. And as you can see, the, the, the whole point in mentioning this is to answer the question, how can you have a good life? How can there be a good life? How can there be, you know, الْحَيَةُ طَيِّبَةُ Yet this is the reality of what you have to go through. So how, how, how can you have a good life at the same time as, as this being the reality of all of the, the trials and tribulations that you are put through? And so, um, you know, this is the reality of, 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 of people. Allah has created them in this way. However, He didn't just leave him to die upon grief. There has to be something else. Otherwise a person would simply just die with grief. And, and, and in fact, this is what you see the people of disbelief. Uh, people of disbelief, uh, the people who do, do not believe in the hereafter, uh, the people who are not, uh, you know, do not receive satisfaction by way of worshipping Allah and making dhikr of Allah. This is what they eventually die of. A whole lifetime of hardships, calamities, difficulties, disease, loss of wealth, loss of life, grief, sadness, whatever. And then at the end of it you die. So it's not possible that Allah has left his slaves and his servants you know, to simply die from grief after he created them in, you know, in, in toil and hardship. Rather we see that Allah has given them a promise. And this promise, which is actually in this in this verse, this is the verse that we're going to discuss in Ta'ala in the remainder of this lesson. So in this verse, Allah he says, Man amila salihan, man amila salihan, whoever works righteous deeds, min dhakarin aw untha, whether he be a male or a female, wa huwa mu'min, while he is a believer. 
while he is a believer. فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاتًا طَيِّبًا Then we shall certainly give for him a good life. We will make him live a good life. وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ We shall also uh, give them their reward. بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْرَهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ And we shall certainly reward them or give them uh, their reward. Upon the best of that which they used to do. This is Surah Al-Nahl, Surah 16, verse number 97. So here we can see that Allah has promised, it's a promise from Allah to whoever worked righteous deeds, male or female, and he ascribed, like the action he ascribed it to himself, because he said, فَلَا نُحْيِيَنَّهُ So he ascribed it to himself. Uh, which means that man will have a good life. And so something similar in other verses in the Qur'an as well. For example, the statement of Allah Azza He said, وَمَا نُرْسِلُ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِلَّا مُبَشِّرِينَ وَمُنْذِرِينَ That we did not send the messengers except as those who give glad tidings and as those who want. And then he says, فَمَنْ آمَنَ وَأَسْلَحَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلِيهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ So whoever believes... And uh, rectifies rectifies his affair. There will be no fear upon them, nor shall they grieve. What is the meaning of this? Al Hasan Al Basri, he said, "Mubashirina bisiyat al rizq fi dunya wa thawab fi al akhirah." Mubashirin, meaning that the messengers are sent to give the people glad tidings that you will have rizq, you will have you know vast rizq sustenance in this life. And a reward in the hereafter. And similarly, we also know that Allah has taught us in the Quran that when we ask Him, we ask, you know, that amongst the people are those women whom yaqul, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. Amongst them are those who say, oh, Our Lord, give us in the life of this world that which is good, and in the hereafter. That which is good, waqina adab nar, and save us from the punishment of the fire. So, as you can clearly see, there's one thing, which is that we are born into a life of difficulty and toil and hardship and pain and suffering and so on and so forth. That's just the reality of life. Allah has created us and put us into into that situation. On the other hand, He has also given us a promise. And that promise is that if you are a believer and you do righteous deeds upon upon Iman, you will be given a good life, an upright, wholesome life. Which means that it is perfectly possible. There's no contradiction between going through toil and struggle and hardship and trials and at the same time having a good life. And we can only understand this if we, if we understand what is the meaning of a good life, right? We can only understand this reconciliation between these two things if we understand exactly what is a good life. So when we see what that means, and we pay careful attention to the statements of some of the scholars like Ibn al-Qayyim, Ibn al-Thaymeen and others, we, we, will, we will see how this makes perfect sense. That you can be in toil, struggle, pain, suffering, trials, tribulations, loss, harm, 
Yet at the same time, you can, you can be enjoying a good life. So how, how can this be? And so this is what we are going to explore, inshallah ta'ala, in what, you know, what follows in this lesson. So what follows is really a commentary upon this verse. Right? Man amila salihan, min dhakarin aw unfa, that ayah in Surah An-Nahl. It's a commentary upon that particular verse. So, the scholars have obviously differed, they've given different interpretations on what is the meaning of Al-Hayatu Tayyibah, which is mentioned in these verses in the Qur'an. And we'll summarize what the various statements are. So the first one, the first meaning is, the first meaning is, أَنَّهُ الرِّزْقُ الْحَلَالِ الرِّزْقُ الْحَلَالِ so the first thing that it means to have a halal provision, a halal sustenance. So what you earn and what you eat out of what you earn, all of it is from halal, pure, lawful, wholesome you know, sources. Uh, this is the statement of Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, Abdullah, Sayyid ibn Jubair, Ata, and others. This is the first meaning. The second meaning and obviously, as, as, you, as, as you will know as we continue, there's no contradiction between these meanings. All of these meanings are true at the same time because they are all aspect, different aspects of, of the overall meaning of, of the good life. So the second meaning is Al-Qana'ah. And this means to be content, to be satisfied. And this is one of the key meanings, to be content and to be satisfied. This is a statement of Ali bin Abi Talib, radiallahu anhu, and likewise Ibn Abbas and Ikrimah, Wahhab ibn Munabbih, Al-Hasan al-Basri, and others. And this, this meaning here, to be content, to be satisfied, this really is it's it's in fact it's the view that Imam Al-Tabari rahimullah he preferred he said this is the most correct saying even though the other sayings are also obviously correct at the same time but he said that this is the most correct saying it is the one who it is the one who said uh, you know he said وَأَوْلَى الْأَقْوَالِ بِالصَّوَابِ قَوْلُ مَنْ قَالَ تَأْوِيلُ ذَلِكْ فَلَا نُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبَةً بِالْقَنَاعَةً So the most correct statement is, is the statement of the one who said, we shall give him or we shall make him to have a good wholesome life by way of contentedness, by way of being content or satisfied. And this is because uh, and he says, ذَلِكَ أَنَّ مَنْ قَنَعَهُ اللَّهِ بِمَا قُصِمَ لَهُ مِنْ He says, this is because the one whom Allah has made to be satisfied with whatever he has apportioned for him of rizq. Then this person will, will not then, you know, he will not start uh, pursuing the world and, you know, he will not tie himself out and... You know, he, he will not start to um, become upset and angry with the affairs in his life. And he won't start to, you know, um, become angry and upset about the things that didn't come to him, that passed him by. And he will not be eager for the things 
that you know that didn't come to him right if you look at most people why they are not content why don't they have a feeling of of being satisfied and content in their hearts or oh, sorry why why are they not happy in their hearts is because they are not content and when they are not content what the heart does is starts chasing after this and chasing after that and chasing after this and chasing after that and because that may not have been decreed for that person then these other feelings of grief and sadness and anger and frustration all of these things start to start to arise right so so this person is is obviously can't be can't really be uh, content so at-tabari continues and he explains that um he explains that the reason why this is the most correct interpretation is if you look at the context of this verse or the sequence of this verse because before this verse if you go back uh, a few verses earlier two or three verses earlier in those verses Allah Azawajal is speaking about uh, you know uh, using your you know uh, uh, making oaths and swearing wala tatakhidhu aymanakum dakhalan baynakum do not make these oaths that you make between you as as you know uh, uh, as a means of deceit right where you trick and deceive each other that, no, i swear i will do this and i swear i will give you this and this and you you start making these oaths between yourselves in order to deceive each other and then as a result you slip and you know you you then fall into uh, evil you are given a taste of evil meaning you are punished for that in this life before you are punished in the hereafter so because this is the sequence of verses it shows that the general general meaning that is being addressed is one of being content right because people who are not content they are willing to cheat and deceive and use oaths or, or to swear as a means of you know deception between people to get things that they wouldn't otherwise get right so it's in a sequence of uh, uh, the passage is like this so therefore when this verse appears man amila salihan min dhakarin aw untha right and he mentions the good life then it's speaking about a person being content and then al-qurtubi uh, continues and he says as for those who say like ibn abbas and others that this verse means ar-rizqul halal he says that this uh, what this means is and pay attention to this is it means that allah zawajal has given him such rizq such sustenance that will make him content even if it is little all right a rizqul halal does not mean a tremendous amount and huge amount and lots of sustenance it just simply means that he's given him from lawful sustenance which makes him content so it returns back to content in, in other words the first meaning a rizqul halal it's true but it's connected to the second second meaning right which means that you are given such rizq that you are actually content with you are content with and then he continues and he says when a person is content his soul does not then seek more 
This is what the meaning is. Not the meaning that he is given lots of sustenance from the halal. And this we know from direct observation and experience as At-Tabari says. He says, we see that most of those who work and do righteous deeds for the sake of Allah and do deeds which are pleasing to him. If you look in the world and you see most of the people, what do you see? You don't see that these people have been given tremendous amounts of wealth and tremendous amount of provision in this world. Rather, we see most people, most people who are basically generally, they tend to be uh, poor, they're living in hard, difficult circumstances, and you know, they, mostly they don't have, um, you know, they're not living in uh, plenty and ease, but they are living in difficult circumstances. Most of the people who are worshipping Allah, obedient to Him, struggling, striving, they, are, they have little sustenance, but they are content with what they have got. And that's why, you know, like they say, um, this is what they say, developed, you know, developed and undeveloped countries or first world and third world countries, you know, uh, they use these terms. But if you take someone who is a worker in, in, a, in a far east country or, a, you know, in, in some Asian country and, you know, he has to have his labor and he makes his labor, he comes home, he's able to feed his, his family, his wife, his kids. But, you know, he's got a big heart, happy heart, content heart. He is, you know, he, he, he is content. And yet you can have some spoiled, rotten, you know, child who's, you know, bought, a, you know, an expensive car for, for a 16th, 18th birthday and, you know, will, will be so upset that they didn't get the better one. Right? It would probably cost, you know, fifty, hundred thousand dollars or pounds, but they're angry that they didn't get the one that cost 130, 150. Right? So this, this is obviously, this is not being content. And so how is, how is such a person going to get through the, the trials and tribulations of, of, of life if, if you know, this is something that makes them angry and discontented? See the difference? So most of the people of the world who, you know, it's, it's not, not the case that you have to have lots of risk and you have to have plenty of, you know, plentiful. And, no. Al-Rizqul uh, Halal, which was the first meaning, is tied to the second, which is Al-Qana'ah. You are content with what you have got. You are satisfied with what you have got. And this is the affair of most of the people of the world. And similarly, this is the same meaning Imam al-Shawqani, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his tafsir. Likewise, Fath al-Qadir, he also inclines towards the same interpretation. And he says that, you know, this, this verse, فَلَا نُحْيَيَنَّهُ حَيَاتًا طَيِّبًا this is the description of Ahlul Qana'ah, the people of contentedness, the people who are content. And this is the actual good life that is mentioned in the verse. Innahum Ahlul Qana'ah. They are the people of satisfaction, the people who are content. And these are the people he describes. These are the people who they, they suffice themselves with whatever Allah has given them. And whatever comes to, to, comes to them, they are content. And they submit themselves to Allah. And if they themselves are asked 
to contribute or to sacrifice or to give someone someone their right, meaning someone who is in need of charity or something, then you know they 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 spend from what they have whenever they are asked. And likewise, they always turn to Allah and Allah makes them to be his trustworthy ones and he makes them to be rulers upon the earth and they rule or judge uh, the people with the same thing that they would happily judge themselves. Right? So this is the, this is the meaning here of being content. This is the second main meaning. And the third meaning is... Uh, to be given tawfiq in obedience to Allah Azza wa Jal. This is the third meaning of al-hayatu tayyibah. To be given tawfiq, to be given success, that Allah gives you success to His obedience, to acts of righteousness, to deeds of righteousness. Because these lead you to Allah's pleasure. This was said by Ad-Dahaq, rahimullah. He said, فَلَنُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا It means, مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فِي فَاقَةٍ أو, uh, he, he says that whoever does righteous deeds, whilst he is a believer, whether he is in difficulty or hardship or need, or in ease, then his life is a good life. And whoever turns away from Allah's remembrance, and does not believe and does not work righteous deeds, then his life will be a narrow, constricted life. There will not be any goodness therein. Right? So this now is the third meaning. What does it mean to have a good life? It means that you are obedient. You are given a life of obedience to Allah Azza That is the good life. And irrespective of, of the toil, the hardship, the difficulty, the pain, the suffering, all those things. No. That's just something Allah's put you in as as something that's the the nature of your creation but the good life is to be obedient to him and each person knows this from his own experience am i obedient am i disobedient do i fall short am i do i exceed you know and so to that extent you know that you that you that you have the good life the fourth meaning is very similar um basically it's the same as the third mean, meaning really but said in a different way uh, his life, to, to have one's life occupied in obedience to Allah Azawajal. And this is a statement of Muqatil bin Hayyan and Al-Aish fi Ta'ah. Meaning that your life is spent in obedience to Allah Azawajal. And Imam Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he, after mentioning all of these different sayings as well, he said that the good life, al-hayatu tayyiba yashmalu hadha kulluhu, the good life encompasses all of this, as occurs, as occurs in the hadith which is reported by Imam Muslim and others, and this is a hadith of Abdullah bin Amr bin al-As, that the messenger of Allah Sallallahu said, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ أَسْلَمْ وَرُزِقَ كَفَافًا so he said, He who submits, the one who becomes a Muslim, he has prospered and who has been given sufficient rizq, meaning rizq which suffices him. 
and whom Allah has made to be content with what He has given him. Right? So, this is the one who will be prosperous. That you submit, that you receive what suffices you, and then you are happy and content with what you have received. This is the prosperous one. Uh, hadith reported by Muslim. And likewise, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he also gave an explanation of this, which basically gives another layer to the, to the, to the meaning, uh, which is even an even deeper meaning. And he says, Allah has made the good life to the people who have knowledge of him, and who love him, and who worship him. And then he mentions the same verse, مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا بِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاتًا طَيِّبًا وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْرَهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Right, so mentions the same verse, and then he says, then he says, that this meaning of the word Al-Hayatu Tayyibah in this ayah has been explained by Al-Qana'ah, Al-Rida, Al-Rizq Al-Hasan, Wagirudalik. He says that the Mufassirun have given these various interpretations to this word here, Al-Hayatu Tayyibah, to be content, to be pleased, to, to receive good you know, uh, sustenance and other such things. And then he says, Was-Sawab, and that which is correct, أَنَّهَا حَيَاتُ الْقَلْبِ right? وَنَعِيمُهُ وَبَحْجَتُهُ وَسُرُورُهُ بِالْإِيمَانِ وَمَعْرِفَةِ اللَّهِ وَمَحَبَّتِهِ وَالْإِنَابَةِ إِلَيْهِ وَالتَّوَكُّلُ إِلَيْهِ So he says, but that which is correct is that the good life means the life of the heart. And the bliss of the heart and the pleasure and happiness of the heart with Iman and with knowledge of Allah and with love of Allah and you know turning back to Him and putting reliance upon Him. Because there is no life more wholesome and good than the life of the one who has all of these things. And there is no bliss above this bliss. Right? There's no bliss better than all of this, meaning that the, uh, the heart's knowledge of Allah, the heart's pleasure, the heart's bliss with having iman. Meaning the fact that you are a believer and that you have iman, and that you being happy that Allah has saved you from disbelief and from polytheism and from misguidance, and He's given you iman, right? And that you're on that path that you are happy with that, this is the meaning of a good life. Right? This is the good life. And there is no pleasure, no bliss, that anyone can have on this life that is better than this bliss and this pleasure. Meaning, your knowledge that you uh, believe in Allah and His angels, His books and messengers and so on and so forth, that you are upon the haqq, and uh, that he, he has, you know, uh, uh, bestowed a favor upon you with this iman and the feeling of pleasure and bliss that this brings you there's nothing on this world which is a greater pleasure than that neither in any food not in any drink not in any clothing not neither in any possession there's nothing greater than that except for one thing which is the bliss of paradise itself 
which is the reward and the bliss of paradise itself. Like he says, illa na'im al-jannah, except the, the, the bliss of paradise. And he says that some of the knowledgeable people used to say, إِنَّهُ لَتَمُرُّ بِهِ أَوْقَاتٌ يَقُولُ فِيهَا إِنْ كَانَ أَهْلُ الْجَنَّةِ فِي مِثْلِ هَذَا إِنَّهُمْ لَفِي عِيشٍ طَيِّبٍ He said some of the people of, of knowledge used to say, that he would say that sometimes there are such... Um, there are such times and situations that, that pass by a person of like feelings of happiness. right? Sometimes there are certain times when you undergo such feelings of happiness. He's speaking here about happiness with, with iman, with acts of worship, with tawakkul upon Allah. Like, you know, sometimes your heart undergoes these uh, states of, of strong iman and you feel them and you feel the pleasure of them. And, and he's saying that that, that there are certain times when you feel these things and you think to yourself that if this is what the people of paradise will feel, if they are in, the, in, the, in, in this type of bliss and pleasure, then indeed they are having a good life. Right? So in other words, some people, they, <coughs> they are made to experience and made to feel... <coughs> a type of pleasure and bliss that, that allows you to kind of feel and sense what it would be like for the people of paradise, what they would be feeling. And if that's what they are feeling, obviously it's, it's much more and much better than indeed that is, that is indeed, like he said, إِنَّهُمْ Then indeed they are a good life. They are in a good life. Right? So in other words, um, they will have this constant bliss. This is what they will be feeling all uh, the time. So, once we understand this, and then he continues, in fact, uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, and when the life of the heart is the good life, then obviously the limbs will follow as well. Right. So if in the heart there is the bliss and the pleasure with Iman and all of those other things, the limbs by necessity will follow because the heart is the king of the limbs. And this is why Allah uh, he, he said in the Quran that Allah made the narrow, constricted, difficult life for the one who turns away from his remembrance. And this is the opposite of the good life. Right? So here, it works both ways. If there is in your heart the belief in Allah love of Allah, turning to Him, reliance upon Him, right? This is, this is the actual true good life. This will bring you this, this pleasure and this bliss. This in turn will then affect your limbs. And your limbs will then obey and act in, in the pleasure of Allah. But the other, the reverse is true as well. That if you turn away from Allah and your limbs and your tongue and things like that, they don't remember Allah because the limbs are tied to the heart, the heart are tied to the limbs, then you will have a narrow, constricted, difficult life because you turn away from the dhikr of Allah And likewise, Imam Ta'ala, he likewise, he says that anyone who attaches himself only to the Creator, 
and doesn't have these attachments to the creation, you know, these unhealthy attachments, right? Unhealthy attachments meaning unhealthy attachment to wealth, unhealthy attachment to, uh, you know, others besides Allah to, 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 to wealth, to authority, to power, to, you know, lust, desires where, where he's pulled in different directions. Person who is attached only to Allah he is captivated and enslaved only by Allah then he will have a good life. He will have ease and pleasure in this life and his tawheed will be, will be perfect. Just like if it was the other way around, if, he, if there's deficiency in his iman and in his tawheed, then all the doors of anxiety, al-humum, al-humum, you know, uh, anxiety and grief and stress and ruin, all these things will, you know, will, will, will be present uh, with him. So you can see here from all of these scholars, and likewise, Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, وَلِهَذَا لَا تَجِدْ أَحَدًا أَنْعَمَ بَالًا وَلَا أَشْرَحَ صَدْرًا وَلَا for this reason, you will never ever find anybody who is in a better state, a better condition, and nor with a greater, more, you know, large chest, and nor, um, you know, in, in greater tranquility, greater tranquility in his heart, than a believer, than a believer. You're not going to find on the face of this earth, from all of the people of the earth, not a Yahudi, not a Nasrani, not a, you know, a Mulhid, atheist, or a, or a Buddhist, or a Hindu, anyone, from all the people of the earth, one who is, has these qualities, right, in, in greater pleasure, greater bliss, with an open, expansive chest, in great tranquility, than a believer. Even Hatta wa inkana faqiran. Even if he was in poverty. Even if he was poor. Because he says, Falmu'min ashaddun nasish in A believer is the most severe of people in being, you know, having a, a large heart and, and, and an open chest. Uh, and the most severe of people in being at ease and tranquil. And and then he mentions the verse in the Quran, the very same verse that we just read. Man amila salihan min dhakarin aw unsa, whoever works righteous deeds, whether male or female, whilst he is a believer, we shall give him a good life, and we shall reward them on the basis of the best of the deeds that they used to do. So we can see from all of this that the, the, the richness and the tranquility is the tranquility of the heart. And it's the heart that governs whether you have a good life or a narrow restricted life. Whether you are content and satisfied and tranquil or whether you are plagued with, you know, like he said, al-humum, wal-humum, wal-hasarat, like grief, anxiety, stress. You bring this upon yourself. Because you are not content. You choose not to be content. If you are content, these things will not come to you. They will not affect you. But if you are not content, you will, you will invite 
these states and conditions upon yourself, right, of, of these anxieties and stresses. So, all of these meanings that we've looked at, we've seen the meaning of, um, you know, al-rizqul halal, al-qana'ah, and al-tawfiq, fi ta'at, you know, given, being granted success in obedience to Allah, or a life of obedience, or being content, or having lawful uh, sustenance. All of these, uh, we see that the verse basically comprises all of these meanings. And all of the Mufassirun are agreed that this is referring to the life of this world. Meaning this verse isn't speaking about the hereafter. It's speaking right here in the life of this world. Right? This is the meaning of the good life. And as you can see, there's no conflict or contradiction between having a good life, but at the same time, being in poverty. Or having trials or tribulations or hardships. That There's no conflict between these two. And we know this from, from experience, from maybe millions of people all across the world living in different circumstances, different situations. You can find... You know, you can find... Um, Maybe a seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old child, maybe let's say in you know, Syria somewhere, all his family have been killed or murdered, whatever. Uh, but this child is out on the streets, earning something, you know, uh, selling seeds or whatever it might be, earning a living, and he'll be the most content of people. You wouldn't even know what's happened to him. And then you'll find some, you know, uh, spoiled brat in the West somewhere, like I said, you know. Um, fed and clothed day and night and he will have a fit and a tantrum if he isn't given a present or a you know something which which is 50% more expensive than than the, what he actually got you see right this is this is this is a person who's not content well, a child is totally con- content and so um all of this like we said there is no conflict between Trials, tribulations, difficulty, poverty, pain in the body, illness, grief. You know, there's no conflict between that and between being content and having a good life. So Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he also has some more beautiful words uh, to add to this. And so he says, so he says, paradise is a destination on the day of judgment, right? Paradise is a destination which which will be there on the day that we meet Allah Azawajal. But there is another paradise on this earth. And this is, he describes, وَجَنَّةُ الْمَعْرِفَةِ وَالْمَحَبَّةِ وَالْأُنْسِ بِاللَّهِ وَالشَّوْقِ إِلَى لِقَائِهِ وَالْفَرْحِ وَالْفَرْحِ بِهِ وَالْرِضَى عَنْهُ وَبِهِ he says that the paradise of knowledge and love and being fond, you know, uh, you know, with Allah, I mean, I mean, to like one's company with Allah and to be fond of meeting Him and to rejoice with Him and to be pleased, uh, you know, with Him. This is the abode this is what the soul of a person sees as his home in this life, right? In other words, if you see your home, if you make your home to be these things, 
These are the things which are paradise on this earth. Right? This is what he's saying, right? So basically, there's an abode in the hereafter, which is Jannah. And there is an abode in this life, which is also Jannah. What is that abode? It's these things here. Right? It is the paradise of, of knowledge, pursuing knowledge, and love of Allah, and being fun to meet Him, and rejoicing with Him, and pleased, being pleased with Him. This now is the actual paradise. So, so paradise isn't like, for example, you know, um, the you know the green or blue beaches that you're going to see, for example, in, in the Maldives or whatever else it might be. You know, and, and the the hanging gardens and the, the vines and this paradise on earth. This is paradise. You look at these things. This is paradise on earth, like what the kuffar. That that's not the actual paradise. Is this what he's describing, right? So this is the paradise. So now if on this earth you make that to be your home. So you make knowledge and being pleased with Allah and being fond of meeting him. And you, you, you make this to be your abode in the life of this world. He says, so he says, whoever's, whoever, whichever person's soul makes these things to be the abode in this life. Right, cannot uh, then then uh, the, the 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 eternal paradise will be his abode on the day of resurrection, right? Kanat jannatul khuldi ma'awahu yawmal ma'ad. Then the eternal paradise will be his his abode on the day of return, and whoever is prohibited from this. Paradise in this world, woman Hurima Hadihil Jannah, Fahua Litilkal Jannah Ashaddu Hirmanan. So if so whichever person is prevented from this paradise on this earth, meaning not not you know, not the beaches and the vines and the hanging God meaning the knowledge and being pleased with Allah and, and all the other things which are which are in the heart. Whoever is prohibited and prevented from this paradise on this earth then he will be even greatly prohibited from that paradise, meaning in the hereafter. And then he continues and he says, The righteous people are in bliss. They are in bliss. They are in pleasure. Even if life is, is severe and difficult for, him, for, for them. And even if the earth, the world becomes you know, constrained upon them. And as for the fujar, wal fujar fi jahim, the sin, sinful people, the evil people will be in the hellfire, even if the world is expanded for them, even if the earth is made, you know, great and open for them. And then again, he mentions the very same verse: "Man amila salihan min dhakarin aw unta wa mu'min." At the end of the verse, and. Likewise, there's also another statement of Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala. And inshallah, we can, we can finish uh, with, with this particular statement from Ibn al-Qayyim. Uh, which is, he says, that... So he says, yeah, basically he says that... Uh, 
those people who have been given this good life in the life of this world, they are the ones who Allah Azawajal is benevolent to. He's benevolent to them in the life of this world and in the hereafter. And as for those who turn away from this, they are the ones whom Allah has made wretched. And you know, He makes them wretched in the life of this world. He mentions the verse in the Quran, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِ فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً دَنْكَ وَنُحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى Whoever turns away from my remembrance, then he will have a narrow, restricted life. Right? So remember here, the person can have all the wealth and the riches in the world, but if he, if he turns away from Allah's remembrance, he will have a narrow, restricted life. Even if, he, even if he's the, the richest and the, you know, this is why the, 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 the people, you see these evil people who are the, the, the billionaires and the oligarchs and these rich powerful people, their lust for wealth isn't, isn't satiated. They want more and more and more. Right? They are not happy until, you know, the, the pound that's in your pocket, they want that pound as well. They have to have that pound in their pocket. Why should you have it? And they make schemes and stratagems to, to take that pound out of your pocket. And these people who basically, you know, they, 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 they've got billions if not trillions under their disposal. Why would you need that? What is it? You know, because after a point it goes beyond wealth. It goes into control and power and the feeling of, of having power. Uh, this is how it happens with people. They start with wealth. The wealth increases, they realize wealth gives them some degree of power and influence over, over people and the wealth gets more and more and more, then it turns into power and the lust for power. And the fact that you can now start affecting people's lives. Imagine the buzz these people get, you know, I, I can destroy this nation and I can make this nation prosperous. I can starve those people and I can make those people, you know, this, this, this is how tyrants arise. This is how they, and they, they start calling to worship of themselves, Right? So, uh, the point being that even these people with all of this wealth and all of these riches, why, why are they not content? Why can't you be content? Why can't you just leave the people alone? And be content with what you've got. You know, you, you have islands, you have yachts, you have this, you have that. Why can't you be content? Right? It's because these people have turned away from Allah's remembrance and there's no satisfaction in their hearts. They are not at ease. They are not at peace, they are not tranquil, rather they are, they are disturbed. Right? And they don't sleep at night until they can think like that, that you know, peasant over there in the village, the, you know, he's still able to um, you know, feed himself and put money in his pocket. That, that has to be in my pocket. Right? This, is how these evil, this is literally how these evil people think. Right? They, are, they are psychopaths. Right? So you, know, you become, this really is like a type of mental, you become mentally ill. If you do not, you know, have the tranquility of the remembrance of Allah Allah's remembrance turning to Him, it gives you tranquility, it makes you content. It saves you from all of these, you know, the, 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 these evil things. So as Ibn al-Qayyim, you know, he mentioned the verse, whoever turns away from my remembrance, then we will make for him a narrow, constricted life. So remember, this is not talking about Wealth is talking about the heart, right? And disturbance in the heart and anxiety and grief and, and greed and all those things that basically poison your heart. 
even though he could be the, you know, the most affluent person in the world. And we shall raise him in the hereafter as one who is blind. And likewise, the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, فَمَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَحْدِيَهُ يَشْرَحْ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ To whomever Allah wants to guide, He opens and expands His chest to Islam. Right? He opens His chest to Islam. And, you know, and, and to the one whom He يُرِدْ أَنْ يُضِلَّهُ And to the one he, whom He wants to misguide, He... Makes his chest to be, you know, ضيقاً, حرجاً, to be to be constrained. So as for the one whom Allah wants to misguide, then he makes his chest to be narrow, constricted. As if he is going higher and higher you know, in, in the sky, where it's becoming you know, more and more difficult for him to breathe, and you know, he becomes constricted. And um, so Ibn Al-Qayyim then says, فَأَهْلُ huda wal iman." لهم شرح شرح الصدر واتساعه وانفساهه وأحل الضلال لهم ضيق الصدر والحرج. The people of guidance and iman they have open chest. It's expansive and open. And as for the people of misguidance, then they have a narrow, constricted chest, and they have you know hardship or difficulty. So we can stop at this point, inshallah, today's lesson, conclude our lesson there today. And so in essence, what we've done in today's lesson is that we've looked at some of the specific meanings uh, that the Mufassirun have used to explain Al-Hayatu Tayyibah. And that is, Al-Rizq Al-Halal, Al-Qana'ah, to have lawful sustenance, like sufficient amount of lawful sustenance, Al-Qana'ah, to be content and to be given tawfiq, Success by Allah in obeying Him and to live a life of obedience. That's what it means to have a good life. Right? And that doesn't mean at the same time that you will not have you know, poverty and hardship and difficulty and ease and pain and illness. These things are part and parcel of what Allah has created us into as a trial. Right? But you can have, but you can have a good life and this is the meaning of good life. 
right? And, and as Ibn al-Qayyim said, it all returns to that which is in the heart. The heart's iman, uh, the heart's love of Allah, reliance upon Allah, turning to Allah, being fun to meet Allah, being pleased with Allah Azawajal, all of these things. And in fact, uh, I want to mention something very quickly. Uh, we'll come back to it in the next lesson, but I want to mention it here, which is, which is, we know that many, many people, they enter into Islam, and when they enter into Islam, there's like a, a feeling that these people have, um, you know, when, when, they, when they enter into Islam, just merely by making the shahada or saying the shahada, the moment at which they make it, right, they, they either feel extremely happy or they, or they start crying. And that's because of the iman which has just entered into their hearts and removed all of that gloomy darkness that, that was there before, where they had no being content, being truly happy, being all of that was completely missing. They, they've lived a life of that completely missing from their lives. And in the moment when they, when they understand the meaning of the kalima, when they understand what it, mean, what it means to say, La ilaha illallah, none has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone. Right? And, and the heart then attaches to Allah, as opposed to a whole life of, for example, being attached to you know, relationships or drugs or you know, wealth or you know, a career that you're pursuing, which is just you know, tiring you out and wearing you down. When all that goes and the, 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 you know, the, the iman enters into the heart, then immediately they start feeling some of the things that we've mentioned earlier on. A feeling of tranquility that you've never felt before in your life. A feeling of joy, a feeling of relief from all the world's hardships that were on your shoulders before. And now they've just disappeared just like that. So often you see people who become Muslim, at the point of becoming a Muslim... When, when everything goes and dissolves, and it's just that the heart, and Allah and His Tawheed, everything dissolves, and they, they, they feel what, you know, the, the, they lived a whole lifetime without, and, and now they felt it. So straight away, you know, many of them, they, they cry or whatever. So, this goes back to what, you know, we said uh, from uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, when he mentioned that some of the people knowledge, they said that sometimes we feel certain things, you know, of pleasure of the heart, and... That, and we think that if this is what the people of paradise are feeling in paradise, then indeed they must be in a good life. Right? So we see little signs of this, you know, in the life of this world. And all of that is the good life and the ingredients of a good life, as we mentioned. This is what helps a person to, to experience and feel those types of uh, feelings. So inshallah, we'll, we'll conclude our lesson there today. We'll continue in the next lesson. Uh, which I believe will be in September now. Uh, so with that, we conclude and we'll uh, pray Salatul Maghrib, inshallah. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa jma'ala.